Welcome, everybody, to the Building Character Podcast. I am here with Lan Pitts. He wrote his own comic, These Heart Strikers. He is a columnist for um, Newsarama or uh, GameSpot. He's interviewed some pretty cool people, and he's just general, in general, just a really cool guy. And he taught me this really awesome recipe for making French toast. So oh, I had to have him on here. Lan, how are you doing today? good but now i really want french toast again <laughs> dude i love that recipe man yeah. I, I just have to get the the challah bread i have to get you that get, to make you get it. the 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 challah is the main point it's the center of everything and it makes such a really good french toast so you can't go back you can't go back no. to regular stuff after that so. no definitely so. not so um Lan, when we did meet i got your uh three issues of beast heart strikers and I have to say, I fall in love with the story. Oh, you know, well, thank I you. Love, I love the Power Rangers, okay? And I know these are not the Power Rangers, clearly. But these are way more relatable to than, um, than your, your Power Rangers of yesteryear. Which I guess at the time, they were kind of relatable to yeah. young children. I mean, they were, you know, pretty contemporary for the, for the time. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. In the early 90s, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. But these guys, um, you you took something here. You took a concept that most people have probably, you know, as they've grown up, they look back and like, oh, that was, you know, I liked that when I was a kid, and now it's like, you know, a little too childish for me. But now you you open up Beast Heart Strikers, and you're getting stories of five young people, who we later find out is kind of going to be an issue for them, like them their age, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And now they are they're dealing with everyday stuff, like deciding what college they're gonna go to, you know, like, hey, am I gonna date one of my teammates here? You know? Yeah, yeah. And it's done in a really good way. And the artwork is fantastic, by the way. Oh. Like so like why is Beast Heart Strikers? Why is it a uh you why, know, why what it made called? it yeah, why why is it Oh I I just, I, I just felt like uh, um, there's nothing really, aside from the actual Power Rangers license, and this is something I've kind of talked at at panels, and it's so weird that Tokusatsu never really became a bigger deal in America than it, than it, I think it should be. Yeah, we have Power Rangers, and we, we have Ultraman, you know, the, the dubs, and they're, you know, how everything we got, and how it became Americanized, and... Common Rider became Masked Rider for like a season, maybe mm -hmm. two at the most. But nothing really kind of latched on like Power Rangers. And I don't know if that's a branding thing or, you know, and then we got Big, Big Bag Beetleboards, which was a um, Metal Hero sort of situation. Um, from another, that one was another, really odd. Yeah. I found Beetleboards kind of <laughs> odd. Well, like... it, it's it's an odd show to begin with, but it's an also an odd property to try to adapt. Uh, I, I think, I think common writer should have been the, the mass writer should have been a bigger deal than it was. Uh, it, it wasn't exactly the best thing, but I think the common writer franchise as a whole is a uh, stronger and fun. Uh, the super sentai series, um, you know, we're almost what, 30 seasons. No, I mean more than that. 36 I'm trying to keep count. So I wanted something like that because the only thing that, you know, really liked at it was the Power Rangers over a boom. And it's sort of, everyone has like um, superheroes and everything like that, but they, there's really not enough toku influence stuff out there. You had, But 
you know, now you do have uh, Infernal Girl read by Matt Groom, um, who uh, I think will eventually eventually make it, but I, I know that character uh, had a Kickstarter, and then they have difficulties now with printing, as a lot of people right. are. Uh, but it was just featured in Supermassive, which is Radiant Black by Kyle Higgins, Radiant, uh, Rogue Sun by uh, Ryan Parrott, and then Matt, Matt Groom eventually joined that trio over there. And, you know, they definitely have some Toku influence, um, but it's, it's, it's more than that. It's, it, uh, even just beyond an aesthetic level, level, it's more than that, but it's definitely taking a lot of influences from, like, Kamen Rider and especially Ultraman. So there's not really another, there's, there's a, sort of a void for, like, a Sentai analog. So I mm-hmm. wanted to uh, do that. That's why. So what was some of your inspirations for that? I mean, you know, besides like the Super Sentai series, oh. <laughs> who um, a lot of people can relate to. Right. But, uh, uh, the, the costumes, I think, are a combination, I think, of Voltron and Maskman, Super, uh, the, Sentai, uh, the Maskman Sentai series. Um, but aesthetically, if someone actually takes a look at it, it's more like Sigler Moon and Steven Universe. So I can kind of see that. I yeah, can no, see that. It, it's definitely. I mean, we threw in a lot of things. We threw in a lot of uh, things that we kind of like. Rona Warriors. Uh, I mean, there's even a Rona Warriors homage to the preview cover we made a few years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it's a lot of things of that, especially. But as it's going to, as the story progresses, I think people are going to understand that it's definitely more of a magical girl series than anything else it's just happened to have nice really fun power ranger aesthetics but the story itself is definitely more sailor moon based than anything so and you know sailor moon was the cartoon that um or anime i'm sorry everybody i mean it's Um, it is what it is animated series you know it came on like what like 6 30 a.m every morning before i'd go on to before I go to school, yeah. and you know, I tell everybody that Dragon Ball Z was my first anime, but that, that it's a lie. You know, it's it's Sailor Moon because Sailor Moon came on, and it's just, I was I was hooked in. I was like, man, I, you know, I feel like this is you know. And back at that time, everybody's saying, oh, well, that's for girls. You know, like I'm like, I did not she's, care. Yeah, I mean, she's she uh, she transcends all genders. I think it's something that's very. Um, across the board, especially, I don't know, for me and my friends. But, yeah, Sailor Moon was basically one of those big, uh, big influences I had on me for years throughout middle school. Um, and I really, it's one of those things where I don't think I, I um, would know where I'd be creatively without her. So, uh, well, props to Sailor Moon. Right. <laughs> you know, she she was doing her thing and inspired you. And you know, I'm I'm sitting here with book three in my hand, and God, this one's my favorite, obviously because of the wrestling. You know, right? And, yeah, definitely. That was fun to do. Uh, and uh, we just got the cover for four, and I posted that on my Twitter, and it's really it's really good. We're going to finally. I, I wanted to do again. It's it boils down to more Sailor Moon romance. Uh, Sailor Moon influences, so this one's going to be a fourth is kind of going to be like a little romance, so you got to throw it in there. Cool, cool. I can't wait to check that one out. Thanks. I I can't wait to uh, finish writing it. (laughs) (laughs) 
I know that you're a big fan of wrestling as well. And, you know, I'm just looking at the cover art here for book three. You know, you have your two warthogs with the titles. Like, they remind, like, this has to be, like, from the first episode of Power Rangers. Like, didn't they fight, like, a big pig or something? Pudgy Pig came in, uh, he may have been, like, episode two or three. Uh, okay. I mean, he's in the first ten easily, I think. Uh, yeah, no, these guys were more likely based on what I thought would be fun for, like, almost like uh, the Road Warriors. Uh, Legion oh, of yeah, okay. Yeah. It's kind of my take on that. Um and also, um, uh, Warbore, there's a wrestler. Um, I don't know. I, I just thought it was just really, it's been fun designing monsters and I can't wait for people to see the four, uh, monster in issue four. It, it's just, we, we take a lot of just, there is obvious, uh, Power Ranger influence and in how we design things. But I, I, again, when people see like, especially when you get into the, uh, the Silver Crystal uh, story arc in Sailor Moon and the monster design, they get more and more uh, out there. So that's, yeah. that's kind of what we're leaning forward. Uh, and that's the fun part, I guess, about creating these monsters is you can just make them look however you want. You know, there's... Well, yeah, there's no practicality. Like, uh, if we were trying to make a costume or something like that, I think some practicality has to come into play. But... Uh, here, no, it's 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 no holds barred for the most part. Yeah. So, um, I know that you were able to interview uh, Switchblade uh, Jay White, and you got to tell me how that was, man. He seemed like a really chill guy. Uh, he was actually. Uh, we did it like almost like first thing in the morning, and uh, he was. He was actually one of the just coolest people I've ever talked to, and especially he did it his stuff in character. And oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you go back and read it, he's just great a asshole, and he revels in that. But that it's just become like second nature to him. So just one of those things where I shoot my shot on like pitching it to my editor Matt. At, at GameSpot, I'm like, hey, can I talk to Jay White about like this Bullet Club drama that's kind of going on? And he's like, yeah, perfect. So um, I got in contact with Jay and then his management team, and they you know, he helped me set it up, and we, we kind of went for it. So Jay's one of those guys, I feel like, has just kind of scratched the surface of his popularity. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, what, the fourth youngest IWGP champion? And... I mean, he's not even 30. He's not even 30. He, yeah, he, he'll turn 30 this year, but, I mean, he's done so much in just, you know, four years in his career alone. So we we just kind of talked about, especially him having to miss, like, the G1 and then the New Japan Cup and, and everything and having to be in America. I, I, think, I think it's almost for the better, for right now at least, to get him over to American audiences who, you know, don't stay up to watch <laughs> Russell Kingdom or G1 finales like uh yeah. like my dumbass does um <laughs> dude man re- wrestling's a shit man the yeah. storylines in there the matches i mean i've been watching it for almost forever and i've just recently like started watching more of other promotions and just seeing like the different styles you know the things that make people pop in new japan are not what you know, people in the States pop for. Right. Exactly. 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 So, uh, yeah, 
I, I was just excited to do it, and it's one of the, I think, one of the best interviews I had, I, I had done in a while to do it. I'll, I'll, I'll talk wrestling to anybody, like anyone who wants to be interviewed, and you can find a good angle and, and everything like that. I'm, I'm ready for it. So, Have you been able to, like, interview anyone else? Oh, in, in oh yeah. I mean, let's see. My first, I think my first big one was maybe Cody as Stardust, like, seven years ago. What he was stardust like the whole time? Yeah, <laughs> it was it was wild. It was it was wild. I I I don't think I came. I, if you go back and read it, it it's it's a fine inter. I, I had fun with it, but I I definitely like just did not come prepared and thinking he was just going to go all out there. Uh, interviewed Adam Cole a uh, few times. Uh, Nick Jackson, Adam Page, uh, Christopher Daniels, uh, Jeff Cobb. And then last year, before uh, he really, really took off, uh, good friend Danhausen. Um, oh man, he, that, did, he did it. Out was of, he in character no, the whole time? He was out of character because I feel like the Danhausen character doesn't really lend itself to like in-depth interviews. Uh, <laughs> but he is very nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. And very evil. And he, um, yeah, he just the whole influences with his character and how Effie really helped him really establish itself, uh, really establish the character and who he is and how he channeled more of himself into the character than really anything else. Like, I, I think, I, I, I think rock had this whole, um, quote about, you know, characters should just be yourself cranked to like a certain higher percentage, a higher level. And that's what I, I think. That yeah, and that's what I think Donovan had done has done with Anhausen. It's just him, just cranked like all the way up. Yeah, and you can tell when these guys are having fun, like with their character, because if they're not having fun, then the audience isn't buying it, and then they don't get over. And uh, right, I, I think it kind of makes their jobs harder. That's pretty much it. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like if you can do. Uh, if you can do that, then you have an in truly uh, with the audience. And I, and I think that's what Jay does really well. We just, um, he just connects to a certain way. And he, he's a guy you really love to hate. <laughs> and, and man, like, I think Triple H once said, it's like, it's, it's easier to be the bad guy. Um, but it doesn't mean like, you can be good at it. Like you have to, you just have to have that thing where, you know, people want to hate you because if they start cheering you, then it's cool. But then you're like, not necessarily doing what the bad guy's supposed to do. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, um, but I, I, I think, I think heels, uh, bad guys are a little, I don't know if they're easier to do now. I don't know if they're easier um, to do now because you can be a legitimate heel and people still like you for just being an asshole. Uh, right. But, and I think you can still be like that cool bad guy. Uh, and guys like, um, guys like Jay, guys like, I think, uh, who's a really good one now? I don't consider, uh, MJF is good. Um, 
Man, every MJF is like that guy. He's got like this punchable type of right, like, face. right. But he still like gets, but he's almost too good because I mean he still gets booed when he comes out. Um, and I and I think though good heels can even make like the worst fans cheer. So um, <laughs> that could just be oh me, yeah, though. that could just be me. Um, and thing is, like you want to cheer. It's like the really end like deep wrestling fans they want to cheer a bad guy because they're a good bad guy it's like yeah you're good you're good at being a bad guy thank you for your your service you know <laughs> i appreciate that because there's not as many good heels anymore and getting over as a face you know god like i mean that's in this day and age people smell bullshit a mile away right right so you you try to get over as this you know this um, very positive face, and it's like okay yeah whatever you know even John Cena was booed for like half of his career, and he just kept going. Um, but he's like one in a million type of guys to get that type of reaction, right? And then you know people want to cheer like the more badass good guys, you know like your CM Punk, your John Moxley, because they're like edgier, but they're still a face so that i gotta i give them props for that man like, right it, it's a tough line like, yeah and then you have to be good in the ring there's you know, a, yeah a lot of parameters for sure yeah, earlier we mentioned the thing about french toast like now do you like enjoy like throwing down in the kitchen is that something oh that, yeah like, I, more... I trained uh i trained and cooked professionally for about five years so um awesome i'll throw down i'll throw down <laughs> with anyone anytime uh, who just wants to come in and just uh, even do like a crab bake to um, what do they make? I made mussels. I did like a mussel, uh, did mussels in a broth. Uh, it was a, like a coconut tomato broth. Um, uh, well, I uh, had one of my best friends come visit for like a week, so I just kind of cooked the entire time. For the most part, anyway. Yeah, because I don't, I still don't one of those people who still haven't done like dine-in restaurants and it's always weird me out when I see people just casually dining out uh, <laughs> with everything going on. I'm just that still paranoid kind of guy. I, I just kind of, Oh, I feel you. I stick with, to myself. Um... I mean, you know, going to shows is different. Uh, at least there's still sort of uh, requirements for the most part here. But mm -hmm. mask mandate, I think dropped and I just kind of like, well, I'm, I don't need to, go just out and about so just I, I i cook and stay inside definitely what does the writing process look like for you because you're working on book four uh, uh for my comics really awesome so series. yeah my especially when i did the wwe comic at boom what i would do is i mean it, it's process really hasn't changed and i don't think it's going to despite it being kind of <laughs> convoluted but i write everything down uh on paper first and so i have my notebooks and i basically lay out my pages and i do the story beats so i do page breakdowns like what happens on each page and then uh until i basically have like a mild outline then i go back and try to do um panel breakdown okay so i know what happens on each page but how do i get from here to there so then that happens, and then I change things along the way, how many panels it needs, and 
the pacing and the real estate of each page. Um, and then I finally add dialogue, and that's when I'm actually like typing it out in like a doc, uh, like a, a Google Docs or something. And mm -hmm. Google Docs is the best thing ever. Also, people talk about, well, I use this for I'm like why just just use Google Docs. People pay hundreds of dollars for script writing software, and that is so weird to me. So. I just Google use, Docs, I just, everybody. Google I, Docs. I just use Google Docs, guys. It's nothing fancy. So then I'm in the dialogue stage and uh, just trying to go from there. And so that's my first draft when I'm finally writing a dialogue. Uh, then I hand it to, you know, artist takes it. Hey, we, you know, then we get like a proof back. Uh, like if we need like a lettering proof, like I just did. Just did like four or five passes on a, on a page of just trying to make sure the bubble uh, balloons um, and dialogue wasn't kind of like overbearing. Because I can get kind of carried away <laughs> with how um, uh, with my with my dialogue, and so I need to get reined in every now and then and streamlined. And so working with uh, my artist and letterer uh, Frank and Joe for Beast Heart Strikers. And uh, Frank's designs are really great, and he has a really good eye. Uh, one of the best letterers I've actually worked with. I think he's underappreciated as well. But uh, and just try to make it look nice, and try to make sure everything fits, and try to make sure everything um, isn't too uh, claustro, you know, claustrophobic and very closed in. So, and that's the that's the sort of process, but it's a collaborative process at the very end because it should be comics should be a collaborative effort. And if you're not collaborating with your team, then it's I don't know. I feel I, I don't know if it. I, I know it's the comic, but like, is it? I don't know. I like working with teams. I, I think it's a good team effort, and I work with uh, brilliant people who help who help me look <laughs> look better than I uh, ever really could by myself. You know, as you mentioned that it being a collaborative effort, like being a team effort, mm -hmm. I met this guy at a Comic-Con in Florida who, really cool guy, mm -hmm. very interesting. He does all of the, the stuff. You know, he does the writing, he does the lettering, yeah. he does the, you know, the art. And, you know, I've talked to a few different people now who've like written their own stuff. And when I meet this guy who does all of them, I'm like, dude, how the hell do you do all of it, man? That's fucking awesome. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but I can't imagine like the kind of like, I mean, maybe, you know, it's no big deal, you know? And I think like some, I think people like that are kind of like these like savants, you know, just, they can just channel in and do it. And I just worry about people's mental health. I'm like, dude, how the heck do you do that? and have like a regular human life like that's awesome because i like yeah well, i can write <laughs> a little bit but all that other stuff oh my god yeah one man teams are pretty daunting I, I i would say i mean people can do it um and they're good at it so a few of them myself it's 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 wild wild how they can uh multitask like that let's say somebody's listening who they have an idea for a story, okay. you know, or maybe they're a great artist and they, you know, they love comic book stuff. Mm -hmm. What advice would you have for them? Uh, well, uh, stories are one thing. Stories, uh, you know, ideas of stories, I think, are like, you know, 
not even a dime a dozen. Like I, I, I feel like uh, a penny for a dozen. Everyone has ideas, and I see. Sure. And I and I see you know peers getting randomly hit up like, hey, how do I work at Marvel or DC? And it it's not it, it's not as easy <laughs> as that. We're you know tour we're so simple. I I feel like it just depends like. Uh, on the story itself, is this something you know they can do by themselves? Um, you know, I, if you look at things like um, a tale of sand, um, where, you know that was a unproduced. It was a comic that was from an unproduced Jim Henson script. But uh, how Ramon Perez did it, who's the artist for it, it, it's mostly without dialogue. Everything's kind of you know in motion. But I also see people who do two-panel comics. Like just shorts, and I feel like when you can do, you know, shorts by yourself, and you kind of muster that, I think that's the real strength in things. Uh, shorts are hard. Um, I just had to do. Uh, I'm outlining a four pager right now for an anthology over in Ireland. It's it's rough because you feel like there could always be more, but how do you you know pinpoint what your story is actually about? How what you know what can you take away from it? You know, if you're serious, mm-hmm. I, I always recommend taking at least some kind of class, some kind of some kind of class or learning what you can from, um, you know, even newsletters or, um, you know, Scott Snyder has a class uh, for like seven dollars. I just did one um, uh, that Ron Mars was teaching. It was like, a, I think, a four week, six week, I think it was a six week class. And that was, you know. I just I, I wanted to you know retool things because I um, I think education is you know you don't need a proper you know hundred thousand dollar education like in the art school but I mm-hmm. I feel like at least when writers come along I they're like well how do you write how do you write a comic I'm like man you just got to do it but you still need like to learn the basics at least so Stephen King did this uh, Stephen King wrote a book called On Writing that's a really good book about the process um it's a bunch of essays that he did and sort of i wouldn't say it's a guidebook but i I definitely think it points you in the right direction of how you have to how you think about writing as a whole and um the direction you may want to go with things there's uh dc had a book like i feel like a million years ago but dc comics guide to writing comics uh, they had a whole series. It was drawing comics, inking comics, coloring comics, lettering comics. They had their whole like sort of DC style of how to do things. But I, I, I feel like just research. I feel like just reading, but not just reading comics, but just reading in general how to how to make things work. Um, visual, how to write for the artist. I feel like is the best thing because you're not writing for anybody else. You're writing for the artist. And to- that is that's a good one. I really like that. Yeah, because you're not writing like the artist isn't a mind reader, <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> I, I developed, you know, I've developed a shorthand with Joe over at BHS and um, a few other people I'm working on. Zach Kinsella is another guy I like working with. We just did a we just did a a comic with Danhausen uh, for Tales for the Road, and it was our first time working together. But we exactly. But we kind of knew exactly what we wanted out of this, and so uh, we have another project uh, we just started working on that'll hopefully be out by the end of the year. And so it, it's very important to be not direction heavy. You don't have to like put you know 
paragraphs upon paragraphs of direction and the visuals in a page you can leave a little bit of leeway without being completely overbearing but it's it's you're definitely writing for the artist when you do that so um i always feel like there's a happy medium of describing of what you want in a panel and uh i always when people write I, I, you know anytime i get to you, you know if a friend wants me to, or someone who just like, hey, can you take a look at this? And they give movie directions. That's always weird to me. Mm-hmm. It's always like, uh, and you can definitely tell when people haven't written comics before, because then there'll be like two actions, two, three actions on a panel from a single character, and it's like, that's not how that works at all. You, you can't just, you have to do beats. And people try to cram in, I've seen a lot of examples of people trying to cram in as much as possible, and it's, it doesn't, work the way people think it should so that's why i always recommend at least just a basics class of terminology um evil you know even non-panel structures uh how to do a double page splash you know even like laying out the pages like okay well how would you do that uh with like you know because i've had to make my own books so even getting the dimensions of a comic uh, make sure the bleed is right and um, his image has their own. Uh, we had, we had, uh, we just turned in the last uh, B-Star Strikers for Radiant Black over an image. They have their own sort of like dimensions for printing. So you have to be very mindful of even stuff like that. And it, it takes a lot. When people say comics aren't hard, I, I don't know how, I, I, I don't believe that. Bro, I feel like that, those are fighting words. <laughs> It's not fighting words. It's just like, well, no, because you know, not everyone can do what you do and make it good. You can make a comic, yeah. Five-year-olds make comics. Doesn't mean they're like they're good. You know, I was that kid who would just staple notebook paper together and just make comics. Um, you know, we're good. <laughs> just, just learn. I always, always feel like just at least get some sort of education and just figure out. Uh, I think cover composition is really hard too i feel like even just coloring know the basis of like what makes good coloring i mean the the cover is like that's all it's your salesperson yeah you know? yeah <laughs> right so even when we had you know when we when i approached serge acuna who now just did a, a he's going to be drawing uh birds of prey over at dc and we had worked Ooh. together at uh we had worked together at boom and we have a few things coming off this year um he just has to get his uh schedule cleared up in april um yeah i mean with the cover design i mean it's that's that's all surge i helped kind of idea of what i wanted and then he gave us three examples and i picked that one and it's great but like yeah you will you want you know when people just think about um covers as pinups or something like no you have to you have to create something that makes it's like a movie poster you want people to be engaged in that so i think that's a i always felt like the cover was like it like tells a short story almost you know yeah it's definitely something like that so i i don't think people understand how hard comics can be when you really want to make them the best you can so that's that's my sort of advice on that so when people who want to make comics i am I, I I seriously recommend just taking a, a quick class to at least just get the basics down. 
because you never you never know you never know I, I think education is something that never stops especially in the creative field you're always learning something always some sort of new technique even if you don't master it you don't have to master it but at least you understand the building blocks and the bones the basic bones of how to make a, a really good story you know i feel like um a lot of that can be said for just personal growth too. Oh well, yeah, like, obviously, obviously. <laughs> you know, I mean that. I mean that's like a big, you know, very um, open. It's a very broad statement, right? Right. Um, right. 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 But like, as um, in the creative field, because you know, you have to be able to find ways to reinvent yourself and take time, as you said, for growth, mm -hmm. because otherwise you don't want to be you're not able to. Yeah. 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 You, you don't change with the times and you know like i mean if you have an amazing writer yeah like you know take someone like stephen king for example mm -hmm. he could like pump out books like forever and they'll all probably be hits and they'll make them all into movies but um for uh, someone like that he's definitely not someone that like has ever stayed stagnant with his writing it's no. always pretty exciting yeah 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 um I, I definitely consider King one of my uh, influences. Uh, he was one of my, I mean, he, he, one of my dad's favorites. Um, mm -hmm. Him, uh, Robert Jordan, who did the Wheel of Time series, uh, uh, Ron Mars, um, Mark Wade. Uh, mm. Gosh, I'm trying to think who else was just a really good, um, really good influence. Uh, a lot of the Hammer horror films. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of those. And God, I know it's early, and I can't think of like a lot of my <laughs> influences for the most part. They feel awful. Doc Hammer and Jackson Public, who did, uh, who created Venture Brothers, um, uh, and then I guess in turn also Ben Edlund, who did the, um, who did the Tick, and ah. I'm trying to think of someone else. Those are the those are the big ones for sure. I always kind of at least like turn to turn to them if I need um, even just good like how do I how would you know X fix this page layout? I'll just turn to one of those guys and try to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, just I don't know, those are always my go-to. Always my go-to. You know, you're writing Beast Heart Strikers, mm -hmm. you know, and then the book comes out. Like I'm sure when you're writing it, you're kind of like you have an image in your head, some like some type of image of what's going on. Um, when you see the book, is it like what you see in your head, or is it better, or is it just? Uh, different? It's always if you if you find that artist, if you find that artist, and so there's a, a sort of sort of whole thing about the art elevates the story, and can the story elevate the art? And it mm -hmm. should always be the art elevates the story. Um, because you know it, it comes second. <laughs> so uh, when you get the art back, does it fit your? Does it fit your story? Does it fit your dialogue? So what I do, that's what Ron kind of um, helped me with, was fix your dialogue because it's easier to fix your dialogue than it is for the artist to fix the page, and you want it to mesh well, but it's. It's also, okay, well, does the lettering fit here? Is, you know, can it, 
should that be reworked? And, you know, going back what I said with, you know, doing like four or, four or five passes on those last pages, just trying to make sure the dialogue works and the, you know, lettering isn't complete nightmare. So it, it, uh, you're always kind of fixing something until you hit print. And that should be a, a common thing because you want it to be the best, the best that it can be. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I definitely feel about that. I definitely, um, I definitely feel like the art should elevate the story. And then from there, you can sort of find a, a happy medium of just the best dialogue that you can do for that page, the best lettering you can do for that page, because the art is already kind of set for the meantime. If it's you know completely off, then yeah, I understand like redraws have to you know have to happen. But I try to avoid that as much as possible. So, so I can see. So you um, you work with your artist. I mean, oh, yeah. you said yeah, that yeah, already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're like, if this if what I wrote doesn't work here, I'm going to change that a little bit at yeah, least. Yeah, right? easily, easily. Um, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because you want it to, you want it to fit the art, and you really try to not overwork your artist. So even if it's off, there's still ways I think you can you can rework things. So, uh, like I had to condense uh, three ba- uh, three balloons into two on this last page, for example, because how the third balloon placement just was it was crowding everything else. So Frank, our letterer, was. Uh, we, we, you know, we worked together and sort of just, we kept the art as is and him and I worked on doing a lettering pass and working on the dialogue and like, okay, well, I want this, this, and this, but I know I have to take out this here, but can we do this instead? So reworking on that dialogue, yeah, it, it, it's a collaborative effort, but you want to make sure that it's still the best art and I the, the art was great on that page, so there was nothing really to on joe's end joe was fine it's it's me it's me i'm the problem uh (laughs) i have to fix it and realize like okay well yeah i can see why that has to work here uh but holy shit yeah so i i can't again i can't imagine comics being not collaborative what's one of your favorite parts about being a freelance columnist um i don't know there's i've had a lot of good really just weird memories um working just i like interviewing creators i like interviewing uh, i like getting to talk about what i love um on just an any daily given basis um mm-hmm. like uh the fact that GameSpot hired me to do like more wrestling stuff and i love talking about wrestling and getting to interview performers and everything like that and that's so awesome. yeah I, I i love it and each and every time uh it never it never really gets old um I love talking about what they like too. Like I, I was just talking to um, Adam Cole, who I've known since when I was working uh, with Ring of Honor in their PR department, and we just caught up at this uh, signing he was doing, and just like, so what are you, you know, what are you getting ready for? And it's like, oh man, I'm excited for Elden Ring. I'm still on Halo every day. It's like, what are you doing? And I was like, man, I'm on Destiny every day. And I'm a de- like anyone who listens, I'm a huge Destiny nerd. Anyone can talk to me about Destiny. And he, you know, it's totally, oh, come, man. come on you by. You and my friend Caesar. Come on by. I will, I will talk about my favorite guns. I'll talk about like just everything Destiny. So he was talking about a uh, Hollow Knight because we're waiting for the Hollow Knight sequel. And he's like, ah, Hollow Knight, top five in my top five games of all time. I have the soundtrack on my phone. 
like in uh, that used to be one of the things I just fall asleep to, like a ten hour loop of um Hollow Knight stuff. <laughs> like it, it's such a Dude, really good, really good soundtrack. And uh, yeah, it um so I that's that's my kind of thing. I love uh, when Wheel of Time starts back up for Amazon. I'm a huge Wheel of Time nerd. As I mentioned earlier, so I, you know, I got to interview Daniel Heaney and uh, Rosamund Pike, who play Moraine and Land on the show. Uh, I, I was the, I was the beat uh, for Gotham stuff. So I became friends with like Sean Pertry and Robin Lord Taylor and uh, Donald uh, Donald Logue. Uh, whenever you know, I was head down to filming and stuff like that. And oh man, that's so it, cool! It's just, a, it's just an interesting life. Um, it, it's uh, it's definitely. <laughs> It's definitely exciting, and uh, as I, you know, tell yesterday, uh, just kind of, you never know what to expect, and I feel like that's always, uh, <laughs> it's always a good thing. So it, it it's never mundane, that's for sure. I think that's yeah, that's, my, that's my I long-winded mean, answer. It's never mundane. Yeah, I mean, it sounds exciting. You know, it sounds like you're you're always on your toes, yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure, like, you meet some of these people, and they're maybe some of them are like not what you maybe expect and that just makes it more more fun I, I i definitely believe so i definitely believe so uh what are some things that you're excited about right now like uh, projects you know things going on uh the thing with zach Kinsella has really been fun um then i get to work with one of my longtime friends sarah amundsen uh for this um limit break comics uh for ireland it's a greek mythic noir anthology uh but i've known sarah for seven years after she graduated from scad down in atlanta and i feel like it's the perfect project for us together and because uh, i have to write that script literally uh today <laughs> um <laughs> i got the outline i just have to actually like write it today um yeah uh this thing with surge i think it's gonna be really wild because i love working with surge um, I developed a shorthand with him because we both are on the same page of like everything we love together. Uh, our our interests just cross sect a lot. There's a few. There's like two other things I really want to do with Joe. Uh, in addition to BHS, he just he just moved into a new house. So uh, after since we just finished our backups for Radiant Black, uh, we I'm gonna take a little bit of time and then I'm gonna write issue four and have that out by the end of the year. Uh, we just have to figure out how to reload everything onto Kindle because Comixology didn't transfer stuff. And that's, you know, that's a whole other conundrum as is. So we have to load, reload everything for Kindle uh, so we can get paid for Kindle. I don't know. I, I'll write anything. It's sort of, um, I mean, I, I think I showed you literally everything I'm working on at the show. And what is that, Minneapolis? Uh, yes, it was Minneapolis where we met. That's right. And, um, you know, it was a smaller con, you know, but uh, it, it was cool. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed it. I'm going to uh, that show in Iowa that Ben's putting on Des Moines. Because uh, oh, he's doing the nice. Iowa. I've never been to Iowa. And, I mean, I've had no reason to go to Iowa. Um, I haven't either. And then, uh, what else am I doing? Heroes Con. And uh, there's a ranger station powering your convention the weekend of my birthday in Atlanta. I'll be doing that. And uh, hopefully Dragon Con and maybe New York. And I think I'm set for the year. So maybe Baltimore. Dude. Maybe Baltimore. I haven't decided on that yet. But yeah. Man, everybody that I talk to, they're always bringing up Dragon Con. Dragon Con's and, great. You know, I know, you know you're from Georgia. So yeah. like, but um, 
man, I got that's the one I gotta go to next. Cause now I you know I've done MegaCon. I gotta I gotta do New York. Yeah, 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 yeah. New York is great, Dragon's great, and I uh, can't uh, I mean I can't hype up Dragon enough. So it was one of my favorites. For sure. Yeah, and you're definitely not the first. You're not the first, you're not gonna be the last no, definitely because not. there it's always always hear good things. So I'm like, all right, I gotta make it. Yeah, exactly. And I, I was gonna go before the pandemic, but then there was like this hurricane that was gonna destroy florida so then i was like okay well i won't and then pandemic and then right right exactly exactly but now um um, it's time you know you know honest honest to god um the first comic-con i've been to was last year that was the first one yeah yeah it was in that yeah I, i the first one i went to was uh in it was in Florida. Well, it was, well, obviously it was in Florida, but um, it was a smaller town in Florida, uh, Lakeland. Okay. Um, and they had Central Florida Comic Con. That's the same and, company that does um, the one in Minneapolis. Because uh, Ben tried to get me yes. to his uh, Central Florida show, I, I just couldn't yes. make it. So uh, they are the same company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I made it there. And then from there, I was like, all right, cool. Let's see what's next. And then I went to Tampa. And then from there, I went to MegaCon and then and then Minneapolis Con. So now I have... Uh, and then I went back to the Lakeland one uh, this year because they had it in January. Yeah, so yeah. So they're addicting. Yeah, I, I, used to live in, I used to live in Melbourne. I think we talked about that. I used to live in uh, on the Space yeah. Coast. So I used to do MegaCon like all the time. So that was like over a decade ago. I think I, I think my first one was like 2007. I know when I have children one day that I am going to just push them into that world. I, I, uh, like, yeah, you got to go easy sometimes, but I, I, I think... <laughs> I'm not going to shove them too hard, but I'm be like, hey, you should really enjoy this. Because if I, when I was a kid, I would have loved the hell out of that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. My, my first one, I think I was 11 years old, and I think that was uh, Heroes Con 94. So, yeah, I think that was my first one. And that was... Um, that was what got me addicted, pretty much. Now, uh, you know, I know we're uh, want to wrap things up here, but uh, I did. I have. I was curious. I had another question. Yeah, sure, shoot. When it comes to going to these different cons, you know, mentioning that like you're going to be heading to these different ones, mm-hmm. like what is is it like a good place for networking? It, always. Like, what should always, someone's always goal face be? Face to face is always kind of like the best stuff, but it depends. It's hard to. It's hard to promote yourself as a writer. So definitely have something you've made. Definitely have something you... For artists, it's easier. Just here's my portfolio. Here's a sketchbook I made. Sure. Um, it's hard to say, hey, I have, an, I have this script. story. Hey, Do you hey, want to yeah, hear it? Here's my script. <laughs> like, please read my script. <laughs> so uh, have something, even if it's small. Even if it's just like eight pages. Just have something ready that you've made just as it's sort of like a demo tape but definitely have something um if you really want to do some networking um just have a profile have a you don't have to have a blog but like well this is especially in comics you have to make the comics first and it's such a weird it's sort of the same deal with filmmaking like hey i i made this made this you can't just go in and like well i have an idea for a movie no one no one right yeah um so have something tangible, have something concrete that you can point to and give to people like, OK, this is what I'm about. And it may not be, you know, the best thing, but at least people can say like, oh, well, yeah, he's at least made this. 
and go from there. So um, that's that's my biggest advice. Have something. Don't don't have like loose leaf paper and people telling you to just like, oh, this is my stuff. Just have something small <laughs> and easy that you can have with. Uh, if people are doing portfolio reviews, then definitely yes, leave your portfolios. You know with your name and address and phone number and everything. But if you're a writer, have something that, you know, is a proof that you've made. That's the, that's the biggest thing. Have something. So come prepared. That's the biggest sort of advice I can give. You know, people say that actions, they speak a lot louder than words. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you could say that you have this thing and you can hype it up, but if people don't see it, then... What do you got? Exactly. A thousand percent. That's that's what I would say. So everybody listening, if you have something that you want to create, you want, you think you have the next idea for a great comic, take it from idea form, put it into written form and learn, uh, take some time to learn like actual comic writing, you know, treat it like golf. Don't just go out there and start <laughs> swinging. Try to learn it the right way and um, avoid uh, hurting yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, if you just go out there and you try to do it and then, you know, if it doesn't go well, then you feel bad like your failure and you're like, no, it's just you didn't learn how to do the right thing. And maybe it's not for you. You know, you got to go out there and you got to give it a shot. Exactly. So, Lan, I, I really appreciate you coming on again, man. Uh, means a lot to me and i know we only met that one time but um you know you just we had a great conversation you're really chill guy and um you know let's not make this a a one-time thing if possible have me around uh i'm never too uh never too far away just let me know man absolutely thanks again man um you have a wonderful day Uh, and everybody listening um tune in for the next episode which we will have uh next week take care and keep building